Wow, thanks, Mike. I appreciate it. I appreciate you got a great pastor here. He's a great guy. And uh, I praise the Lord for him. And it is my privilege to be here. As he mentioned, uh, I feel like you already have a lot of ties with me because you may know with CE National being uh, church ministries, you may know Operation Barnabas people. You've sent a lot of people with that. And then you've sent people over to Urban Hope like uh, James and Rebecca Holt or you've had Phil and Joanne Roberts have been there. And then Allie went last uh, summer as an intern. And so we've got all kinds of ties here at, with the Grace Church. But it is my privilege to be able to be here today and share with you. Now, let me tell you, it's been interesting for me. As he mentions, I've been working at CE for 40 years. I started when I was five. And i uh, just going to say what it is, is uh, I've been involved with all this time. And I have a house in Winona Lake, Indiana. And I enjoy that. It's an A-frame. Looks a little bit like this. Not near as big. Not near as pretty. But it's an A-frame place. And I've got a flat screen TV over a television and or over the fireplace. And I've got all this stuff. But you know what? I also have a house right on the corner of A and Tioga Street in an area where drugs are dealt every day, where there's graffiti, where my car has been stolen, where it is tough area, where there's trash on the streets. And if I had a choice of where to live, I'd rather be in Philadelphia. Interesting. Why? has nothing to do with the surroundings. It has everything to do with people. The greatest joy in life, I'm discovering this, is not comfort. The greatest joy in life is pouring your life into the lives of people. I want to show you a little bit of a video. We did this two years ago. I'll make a comment about it afterwards, and it's on uh, Urban Hope. This is the most exciting place in the world to be. Why? Because God's changing people's lives. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things pass away, all things become new. Who in the world would have ever thought in the inner city is where God is making a difference in people's lives? When Jesus looked on the crowds, he looked on them with compassion. And he said, where are the workers? Pray, therefore, Lord of the harvest, that he'll send forth workers. The Urban Hope Training Center exists to reach the family through youth and children and to train believers in cross-cultural urban ministry. If it wasn't for Urban Hope, I uh, would have probably uh, gone on the streets I definitely cannot see myself um, living the way I am if it was forever home. We live in a, a difficult community here in, in Philadelphia. A lot of people look at this neighborhood and they see it as a, a place that has no hope. And in the last year, uh, we've had 38 people murdered in our police district, the 25th district. So there's a lot of violence in our community. A lot of that violence is related to respect issues, but also related to just the prevalence of drugs. One of the scariest parts in the world are our inner cities. People don't want to be here at night. People don't want to be anywhere near a city, and yet there are thousands of children that didn't ask to be born here. Who's going to reach them for Christ if everybody picks up and moves away? The foundation of our ministry has to be incarnational ministry, where we are living with people as Jesus would, showing them who Jesus is, showing them what it means to have a family that follows Jesus. 26 years of my life selling drugs in this neighborhood, each corner. When I was 12 years old, um, I had to go to the streets and do what I had to do to survive. And I got knowledge of what was good and bad. I was too involved in the streets and the money and girls and everything. And 
Urban Ho was the kind of person that we used to be around and, and always saying, Jose, we're praying for you. And I'll look at these people like they what they doing in my neighborhood. Right now, I got a new family in Urban Ho. I got new friends. And it's amazing the way God touched people. I know God exists now. I'm proud and I'm happy and I feel real. Like it's a new life for me. One of the greatest things is finding somebody who's who sold drugs for 26 years, comes to faith in Christ. Not only does he come to faith in Christ, he leads his sister to the Lord. Our discipleship is helping them grow. It's helping them change. We're picking up kids for kingdom kids. We get to knock on their doors, tell them to hurry up and get their shoes and stuff on, and let's go to church. We send people out to get kids in the streets, to bring them back. And you know what? They learn about Jesus. so strongly in children's ministries like Kingdom Kids because it equips kids to learn about God, to make a commitment to follow Jesus. Through uh, my brother and I going over hope, my mother became a Christian as well. Now that my mother's a Christian, our little brother's growing up in a Christian family and over hope has really been the church that encourages me and helps me grow. It's really been a great family to me. Never in my life had a church not look down on me and that's how Urban Hope changed my life you're here and you're saying I'm not sure I've made a commitment for Jesus and I would like to do that and do that public today is there anybody like that too many people want to get out of this neighborhood as soon as they get an opportunity we've made a firm commitment to say we're going to stay and we're going to continue to be part of what God's doing to reach that next generation. We want to make a difference in the city. But for us to do this, we need you to please partner with us. We need your dollars. We need your prayers because we can't do it alone. As I said, we showed that uh, two years ago. I'll give you an update on it. Uh, the one guy who's Jose in there who sold drugs for 26 years. Oh my word, his whole life changed when he became a believer. And then he went through a whole series of problems. And he kind of went downhill from there. And uh, his dad committed suicide. His sister tried to commit suicide. He went through. And then he went back to selling drugs. And it was like really discouraging and we kept talking to him. No, I'm not having anything. Guess what? This last December, he came around, knocked on my door, said, Ed, I can't handle it. I can't handle it. I've got to turn my life over to the Lord. He has not only come back to the Lord and he's leading prayer groups in my apartment every morning uh, at five o'clock. He's incredibly different and following God, doing all the right kind of stuff. And you also see Kat in this story. She's the African-American lady in there that she said uh, looking people looking down on her she's coming to prayer every single morning doing all kinds of things for us and doing ministries let me tell you a little bit about the story of cat cat lived right on tioga street and just one block away she had been locked up 18 times with anger issues out there smoking weed we'd come by all the time and we would say hey cat why don't you come to church i'm not coming to your effing church and, and all is like whoa okay uh, 
uh, but we love, he says, well, you know, I'm a lesbian anyway. And I said, but you know what? God loves lesbians and God loves you and you need to come. Well, you know what? She started coming. She'd sit there with her arm around Sandra and they would be in church. And you know what? It would be incredible experiences to be able to say, She's actually coming up to the microphone one time, asked for prayer and different things. And we're saying, okay, we don't know what's going on. I remember one Friday we were having prayer in my apartment. And uh, you know what that's like because we've had prayer times over there. And one of the times we came by and we always pray for our community. Our prayer time is always focused on Philadelphia. That's why we're there. We need to reach people for Christ in Philly. And so as a result, we were praying and said, let's concentrate our prayer right now on Cat. Could you imagine what would happen if she turned her life over to Christ? Make a long story short, Friday afternoon, knock, knock, knock. Here comes Jason, myself. Here it is. And Kat said, it said, what's up? Kat said, I need to talk. And she starts crying, says, what's up? She said, I want to let you know, I want to turn my life over to Jesus. I said, you do? She said, yeah. You know what? I said, let's make a memory. She gets down on her knees and we did this. And she said, God, I want to turn my life, all of it over to you. I thought, what a wonderful thing. I'm excited about that. On Sunday, we were at church, and, you know, we have open microphones. I didn't see Sandra with her, but here she's coming to church, and she says, Hi, church. My name's Kat. Everybody knows me, she says, but I want to let you know. She said, uh, this week, everybody knows I'm a lesbian, but she said, this week, I met a man, and I'm in love with him. His name's Jesus Christ, and he's the bomb, you know. And everybody applauds, you know, and all this kind of stuff. And it was great stuff to be able to look. And I said, you know, I need to talk with you about what's going on with Sandra. And she said, why? What's wrong with Sandra? I said, I just didn't see her this morning. She said, she's gone. I said, she's gone. I said, why did she leave? She says, I asked her to leave. She says, I don't think we should be living together. I said, who told you to do this? She said, Jesus. She said, Jesus, you didn't, she said, if you had talked to me all about changing my life, I would have never become a follower of Jesus. I needed to have my heart changed. You know what? I can tell you story after story. I can tell you about Drew, the guy who was homeless, who stayed with me. I can tell you about Jason Weissman, who is now in a rehab center. And I uh, just said, I was just telling somebody this morning, right after church, I thought, oh, I should even tell that story. Here it is. Jason is a guy I met at a Boston market, had lunch with him. And, or, and I said, I'll treat you to dinner. He ended up coming by. Guess what? He checked himself into a rehab for alcohol. I just got a telephone call two weeks ago from the guy in the rehab center and says, Jason is here. And he says, you know what? We have a rehab group over here and they have 12 step programs. And he said, you know what? If you can have things about exercise will help you to overcome this and meditation will help you to overcome this, uh, with, uh, with a drug and alcohol program. He said, you need to understand that Jesus can do this and you need to get Ed or Jason to come there and have people from urban hope. He said, well, okay. He says he won't let up. I just want to let you know, he talks to me on the phone. When you get back in February would you be willing to talk to a group of 90 guys here we'll just give you one hour and we would like you to explain how Jesus is the answer for this I said yes (laughs) what it is is God's doing some incredible things in changing people's lives why do I do this you look at all this I don't know about you but if I were discouraged and I were down I want to get away from that area open up your Bible if you would to Matthew chapter 9 Matthew chapter 9, and we're not going to 
we're actually not going to go through this, but you can gander through the page. You can see that Jesus is doing incredible things. He's healing people. He's making a difference in people's lives. And you know all he did? He got criticism. It was a hard group of people. You know what? The Philadelphia, where we are in inner city Philadelphia... I'll tell you right now that it is a tough area. There was a church there years ago and the church people said, you know what, it's scary to be in the inner city and we don't want to come back here at night. We don't want to have things. Nobody lived in the neighborhood. And so they did, I think they were heroes in this sense. What they did is they said, we're, we're recognizing we're not making a difference and we're just giving all the properties over to you and why don't you start something totally from scratch? And that's what happened. So we went into the inner city, and you know what? We recognize if everybody moves, then who's going to reach the people? If every time you run into a problem that we leave, then who's going to reach out to them? And so here it is. Jesus looks at this in Matthew chapter 9. Look at some of the things. Verse 3, they call Jesus a blasphemer. Here it is, verse 11. The groups of people that are there, the Pharisees saw this. He said, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? They're questioning his actions, is questioning his motives. Verse 14, they're asking about how he disciples all the people. When John's disciples came and asked Jesus, how is it that we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples don't fast? They're criticizing him. Here it is, verse 23. Jesus actually comes back and is about to bring someone back to life. But look at verse 24. They laughed at him. Look, if you would, at verse 30. And he says, here it is, he says, he heals these blind people in verse 29 and 30. Jesus is doing this and he tells them, see that no one knows about this. Verse 30, uh, 31. But they went out and spread the news about him all over the region. Here it is, I'd be discouraged if every time you turn around, look at what happens in verse 32. Jesus does something that is incredible. Here was a demon-possessed man who couldn't talk. Jesus heals him, casts out the demons. And what happens in verse 34? The Pharisees said, it's by the prince of demons that he drives out demons. It's like, I'd be wanting to get out of that place. What do you do with crowds? What do you do with all that? Look, if you would, at verse 35. Jesus went through all the towns and the villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. And then look, if you would, up here at the verses. Verse 36 and following. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, But the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. He didn't give up. You know what? I'm in an inner city, and you know why I'm there? Because people have made dumb choices. You ever made a dumb choice? You ever made dumb choices? The whole place is filled with that. If sometimes they get stuck. They get addicted to the wrong kinds of life. They don't have any hope. They're going through. Here's what can happen. If you want to follow along, you can even do this. I have an outline in your bullet and you can even follow it. What do you do with crowds? What do you do with a crowd of people? 
Number one, here's what it is. A, he saw the crowds one person at a time. He looked and he looked out Jesus. You're not overwhelmed with the numbers. Here it is. I'll drive along the area and you get into tough areas of the city of LA. You don't look, you look at one person at a time. What does this person need? Why did they make that? That's what Jesus did. He saw the crowds one person at a time. B, he was sensitive to their hopelessness. They just got stuck. They just got stuck. I got to tell you this. This is so interesting because Dave, he's my one. He's one of the guys that came to faith in Christ when he was in prison, came to church two years ago. He's gotten married. His wife was into Santeria, which is another uh, religious system. And here it was. She was into dancing in an adult theater and all kinds of stuff that was going on. And their lives have been totally transformed. And they're doing this. And Dave tells me, you know what I'm doing right now? He says, guess what happened on Saturday? I said, what? He says, I went down on the corner of Ontario. You know what it's all about. I see James and Rebecca over there under the, on the corner of Ontario. He said, you know what happened? He says, we went down there. He says, I had told the guys, they said, I'd like to have prayer for you. He said, they were all out there hustling, you know, selling the drugs. He said, I'm not saying you're doing the right thing when you're selling drugs, but I just want to pray for your safety. Can I do that? Okay. They all get together on one corner and they all decided to hold hands. Can you see all these eight guys standing there holding hands on the corner while Dave is praying and he's saying, you know what he says? He says, coming, he says, I, God, please protect them that they don't get killed, that they're not going to be hurt today. And Dave said, guess what happened after that? He says, one of the guys says, can we give you a hug? (laughs) I said, that is incredible. He says, I gave him a Bible and doing stuff like that. I saw Tim there just two weeks ago. I was talking to him and I said, Tim, what are you doing here? I know, I need money. And I said, you can't be doing this. But what it is... If you're dealing with uh, sinful people, what do you do? You see the crowds one person at a time and you're sensitive to their hopelessness. They don't have any future. They're not going to heaven. They know they're sinners. They know they're hurting. And then what did Jesus do? He was seeking for laborers. We had a guy a couple of years ago at youth conference, a momentum conference, he came to, came to a speak, and his name is Mike Yankowski. He wrote a book called Under the Overpass. Really good book. But here was Mike Yankowski said, I want to become homeless for four months so I can see how homeless people live. Interesting. So he came and he tells this whole thing. Well, he writes a whole book on it. But what the point is, he said, Christians overall are not mean to homeless people at all. He said, you know what we do? We just ignore them. We never see them. He said, I remember sitting in a Burger King. He said, I'm sitting there. I'm hungry. I'm dirty. He said, what do you do? He said, I'm dirty because I can't get a shower. I don't have any soap. I don't have any towels. He said, I want my clothes are dirty. Why? I don't have any detergent. I don't don't have money to put into a machine. I don't have anything. I'm hungry. I'm hurting. I have nothing. I'm in a Burger King. And you know what? All these little Christian groups that are having Bible studies all around me and they're leaving their fries and I'm saying, I'm so hungry. I just wish if I could get some of their fries, if they could do something, but they just never made contact with me. They never, they never even looked at me. They just threw all this stuff away. He said, and that's how most believers handle people in society. When they're 
when there's people that we feel uncomfortable with, homeless, people who are living a very sinful life, they're not, you know what? We just don't see them. I stopped right down here at this gas station this morning on before church, and I was just talking right across the way. I said, I said, I'm going to Grace Church Orange. You ever heard of that? He says, Yeah, I think it's on the other side of the highway. Yeah, you ever do? I said, You go to a church? No, I don't really go to a church. But he says, I don't go to church. A lot of people don't live like Christians. I said, Do you live like a Christian? No, I don't either. You know, just gotta say, but what it is, do we see the people? Do you even see the people at the grocery store? You need to understand that relative, that next door neighbor, they're yours. They're in your path. They're yours. You need to understand that's what it's all about. Well, what are you going to do? You say, well, all I know is I don't know what to do with all these poor people. Well, what do you do with the poor? Let me share with you some verses of Scripture. And I'm just going to read them for you. This is in the Bible, people. This is in the book of Proverbs. He who despises his neighbor sins, but blessed is he who is kind to the needy. He who presses the poor shows contempt for their maker, but whoever is kind to the needy honors God. Proverbs 17, he who mocks the poor shows contempt for their maker. He who is kind to the poor lends to the Lord and he'll reward him for what he's done. Proverbs 21, you'll see that in verse 13. If a man shuts his ears to the cry of the poor, he too will cry out and not be answered. A generous man will himself be blessed, for he shares his food with the poor. Look, if you would, at Proverbs 22. Do not exploit the poor because they are poor, and do not crush the needy in court. For the Lord will take up their case and will plunder those who plunder them. This is scripture. Proverbs 28, 3 and 6 and following. The ruler who oppresses the poor is like a driving rain that leaves no crops. Better a poor man whose walk is blameless than a rich man whose ways are perverse. He who increases his wealth by exorbitant interest amasses it for another who will be kind to the poor. Proverbs 28, verse 27. He who gives to the poor will lack nothing, but he who closes his eyes to them receives many curses. Proverbs 29, 7. The righteous care about justice for the poor, but the wicked have no such concern. Proverbs 31. Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and the needy. And then look, if you would, not only in Proverbs, but you know the story of Sodom and Gomorrah and how God judged that city. Listen to what it says. Now, this was the sin of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters were arrogant, overfed, and unconcerned. They did not help the poor and the needy. Wow. Incredible. You know something that's happening to my life. I'm just going to say this. The reason I'm here is my life is changing. Yeah. I've been at CE for 40 years. You know what I'm discovering? The greatest joy, I'm going to say it again. The greatest joy in life isn't comfort. Wow, I can get to a point that I can have comfort. The greatest thing you can do is pour your life into other people. When lives change, it is fulfilling people do you understand when lives change it is absolutely thrilling 
It is incredible. You know what? I see James and Rebecca Holt sitting over here. They don't even know this, perhaps. But I just didn't know. They, they were at Urban Hope. They were at James. How long were you there? Ten years, was it? And Rebecca was there for the last couple of years. And they are going to the Dominican Republic. And they're raising their finances. You know what happened? This last two weeks, here it was. I told you about Jose Siete, who came back to the Lord. You know what he's been doing? He's been out there selling pinchos, which is like a shish kebab thing right on the street corner. And he's been selling. He says, what are you doing it for? I said, you're out here. He said, you don't have any food yourself. And I said, are you getting this for money? He said, no. He said, James and Rebecca need money. And I'm trying to get money so they can go to the DR. You know what happened the week before? We had a bake sale down the basement of the church. All these people making foods. I said, bake sale? What is this? He says, it's not for us. It's for James and Rebecca. We want to help them because they're trying to help other people. Understand what God is doing. God is... See, when you catch it, when you catch it and you're desirous of following God, God changes lives. Here's what I'm discovering. This is what's really happening in a lot of our lives. Believers are susceptible. Uh, we're all susceptible to these three things. Number one we, is delegation. Say the word delegation. Oh, say it again. Say it louder. Right, delegate it. You know what? We do need to delegate things. You delegate uh, no, I want to teach my son to play the guitar. Would, I'll delegate that responsibility to somebody else. Or I want my kid to go to school and teach him math, and I don't know all that. So you delegate that. But you don't delegate something that is a character of your life. You don't say, hey, you know what? I don't know how to get along with my wife, so why don't you train her for the next eight years and bring her back to me? Or my kid, when he's a senior in high school, bring him back. You can't delegate that stuff. And Jesus said, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. You make a difference. You go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We have delegated responsibilities that we can't delegate. Well, the government, let the government handle this. I'm not talking about the government right now. I'm talking about us. What do we do with the poor? What do we do with the overlooked? Do we see them? Do we talk to them? Do we connect with them? Do you talk to the people at the grocery store? Do you talk to the next door neighbor? Do you do? We've delegated something that we can't delegate. We're susceptible to one thing, that's delegation. We're also susceptible to being dried up. Say dried up. Dried up is the fact that you can lose your heart. You can lose your vision. You know Revelation chapter 3 verses 15 and 16. It says, I know your deeds, that they are neither hot nor cold. But before, because you're neither hot nor cold, but lukewarm, I'll spew, spew you out of my mouth. It is possible for us to be lukewarm and we don't even realize that we've just lost our fire we've lost our zeal for lost people when's the last time you shared your faith with somebody when's the last time you had a non-believer and talked god talk with them what did we do and have we dried up and we're susceptible to delegating or being dried up or there's a third one and that is we could be deceived. Say the word deceived. 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 
I think it is possible. Now, I love this verse. James 1.22 says, Be ye doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. It is possible for us to hear the word so much that we think we're doing it. You know what's possible? He said, be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Hearers only. You keep hearing it and you're hearing it, but who are you connecting with? Who are you trying to reach for the Lord? How are you trying to do this? Well, I believe the word. Yes, but be doers of the word, not hearers only, because you'll deceive yourselves. Here's some of the things that God's doing in my life. God's changing me and giving me a burden and a heart for people that I think I needed and I know I needed. And I'm living it and I'm enjoying it. How can we impact the overlooked? Let me give you one. Number one, be a refreshment. You're going to find this. Look at what happened. Why did Cat come to faith in Christ? when she was on Tioga Street because somebody talked to her and somebody built a relationship with her because somebody would say, hey, Kat, why don't you come to church? If they're just, you can't say, I hope that she gets her life straightened out. No, you have to connect with those people. I can tell you about Tim on the street corner there at Ontario. Tim, why are you hustling? I'm not hustling. Tim, you got weed in your hand. Okay. Oh, yeah, well, okay. I said, what in the world are you doing? And he said, you know, but I want to change. I'm just, I said, come on, man. I'm just going to pray for you that God's going to change your life. What is it? You need to be a refreshment. You need to be friendly. You know, Joe just came to faith in Christ. Joe's the mechanic across the street. Well, he kind of works on cars, but he's basically well known for being the guy on the street corner that gets drunk all the time. I mean, here's a guy who's always got alcohol on his breath. And God's changed his life since December the 31st. I get a telephone call. Here it is. It says, Ed, I was going to wait till you came back, but I can't wait any longer. What is that? He said, today, I just asked Jesus to come into my life. I said, woohoo, that is awesome, Joe. He said, yeah, I'm going to start out the whole new year in a whole new way. I want to turn my life over to Jesus. Guess what? What? Not one morning has he missed prayer times in my apartment. He's come to church every single week. He said, you pray for me. He prayed the other day and said, God, help me to overcome temptation. I was so tempted to go back to the bar this week. And I said, no, thank you, God. What is that about? We're refreshing him. We're encouraging him. We're helping new people. What is it? Be a refreshment. Here it is. Build relationships. Building relationships. Lincoln Washington is an African-American guy, and he is in uh, Chicago. And um, he said, all you guys are absolutely lily white, and you're going to stand out in our neighborhood because it was all African-American. He said, you know what I want you to do when you're in a neighborhood that you feel uncomfortable with? said, what? He says, I want you to look at people in the eye. I want you to smile, and I want you to say hi. I said, why? He said, that's what Jesus would do. Hello? And I said, he says, what do you think? Why do you think all the children wanted to come to him? Because he was somebody, he attracted kids. And they don't come to somebody who's harsh. They come, come on. He said, what it is? He said, you know what? God used that. 
And we would end up being friendly. You know, you came to Philly, you know what we'd say to you? Oh, it's all filled with graffiti. And it's got a, you know what? We'll say, hi, how you doing? What are you doing? It's like, ooh, who are these people? Because we are trying to be somebody who's building relationships. And not only that, but we need to respect them in spite of their sin. In spite of their sin and all of this. Sometimes we go down and we'll end up having extra pizza and you give it to the people that are in the wrong area of the city. And you do this, hey, we got some extra donuts. You want something around here? Why? Because we respect them. They're people who have been stuck in sin. Here's another thing that I think is important. Remember whose you are. You are an ambassador of Jesus Christ. And we need to be reaching out to people no matter what it is. And the last thing that I mention here, you need to not only be a refreshment, build relationships, respect them, remember whose you are, you're an ambassador, but reconcile people to God. They don't have any hope. I remember talking to my neighbors in Warsaw, Indiana, that's where I am part of the year, Scott and Selena. I said, hey, Scott, Selena. I said, you know what? I'd like to take you out for dinner. And they said, why? I said, I just want to get to know you. We know who you are. I said, no, but I'd like to get to know you better. Why? <laughs> because I'd like to, you're, we're neighbors. Okay. I said, what if we go to Pizza Hut on uh, Tuesday night? They have a buffet okay if we can do that i said listen i said we'll do it i said i'm covering the cost okay <laughs> we'll do it and they're going there for a pizza guess what it was good for me real good for me because when i went to the pizza buffet here it is we're all down and they i start hey i'm getting ready to talk and they went right up to the buffet and started getting pizza and started eating I thought, do I pray? I was going to say, let's thank God for the food. They're already eating half of it. I'm just saying, I didn't want to say, halt. <laughs> you know, so I don't think that was, I thought, God, you know what I want to do. So, you know, I'm thankful, but I'm trying to do this for you, God. You know what I did during the meal? I came by, I said, hey, Selena, why don't we start with you? I said, why don't you just tell me a little bit of your story? What do you mean my story? I said, I want to know more about you. Well, I lived in Elkhart. I met uh, Scott when we were young adults, and we got married. That's the history. I said, maybe a little longer. Uh, and so, you know what? She started telling a little bit about the story, and Steve and her son said, Mom, I didn't know all that. And then Scott started telling his story and how he made bad choices and did stuff like this. And I listened, and I listened, and I was her friend, and I listened and they're hurting. They don't have answers. And then I told my story. And I didn't go through the whole gospel presentation in my story. I just told how my dad was a preacher. I said, and so I grew up in a Christian background, but this is my story and this is where I work and all this. And I said, it was said Scott, I said, you ought to come to church. I go to a church. No, I hate church. I'm not going to come to church. Okay. So I left and I said, well, I hope you had a good time. We'll do it again sometime. I like doing stuff like this. Dropped him off. It was no problem. Later on at night, about 10 o'clock, on my sliding glass door knocking at my door. I thought, who in the world is this? So I opened up the door and here's Scott and Selena. Ed, can we come in and talk to you? I said, yeah. He said, thanks for dinner tonight. That was really good. And um, I want to let you know we weren't really honest with you tonight. 
I said, you weren't honest. I said, no, Stephen, see, I was in a relationship before, and Stephen thinks that Scott's his dad, but it really wasn't his dad. And I, oh, that's fine. That's fine. It's not a problem. Well, you're a, kind of a man of God, and we just felt like we should be honest with you. And I said, well, bless you now. Say 50 Hail Marys. No, <laughs> no, no. no. I, I said, that's fine. That's okay. You can go ahead and do this. And then Scott said something, the most incredible thing. Scott said, uh, Ed, I don't like church, but you know what? I don't know anything about God. I'm embarrassed. I don't even know much about the Bible. I don't know anything about that. He said, if you were ever interested in just maybe one-on-one, just talking to me about it, I'd be open for that. I said, you got it, bro. We're on for this next week. Well, guess what? We did. End of the story. Scott and Selena are both followers of Jesus. Their family goes to the little little Baptist church in Warsaw, Indiana, and they're doing all the rest. They're not in the same church that I am. But you know what? They became followers. Why? Because I'm trying to reconcile people to God. They don't have any hope. Think of your relatives. Think of your friends. Think of that. They don't have any hope. There is nothing going for them. And what we need to see is understanding God put us there to help them to do this. Let me tell you what I've learned while I've been working in the inner city. Number one, I'm very blessed. I am extremely blessed. We live in the neighborhood. It's right now. We just looked at this. We have uh, 61% unemployment rate right now. So, I mean, our people, they can't get jobs. They can't get jobs. We're creating stuff for them. And they can't find anything at all. And the average household income in where we are in Kensington, in Philadelphia, is $16,000 for the whole household. And that's compared to, at least in the United States, 53000 they would say, in the average American household. So, I mean, your people don't have a lot. I'm blessed Okay, what is my responsibility to somebody who doesn't have anything? Somebody says that you're supposed to do... Yeah, I'm trying to do... All people are sinners. How many of you are not sinners here? You can raise your hands. Why don't you tell the person right next to you, you are a sinner. (laughs) Why don't you tell them that? Because we're all sinners. At the foot of the cross, we're all sinners. And there's just have different sins. People without wealth make the best neighbors... Yeah, you know this. You need to understand without this. Listen, if you're poor people, you connect. What did Jesus do? He went to the poor. Go after the people that are hurting. They will respond greater. It's easier for a a camel to go through the eye of a needle and for a rich man to enter the kingdom. So not anything wrong with reaching the wealthy people, but go after the poor. All hurting, not all hurting people are swindlers. Not every one of them. There are a lot out there. And you have to be careful. But you know what? You have to discern. If you're out here doing it, you're going to use it for drugs. You're going to give me this. But you know what? I remember giving a guy 32 bucks, told him the story. He ended up, I thought, goodbye money to me. You know, I thought it's never going to do anything. He got a job driving truck across the United States. Six months later, called us up, said, I'm in a church in Phoenix, Arizona. This morning, I asked Jesus to come into my life. All because you gave me a start. Thank you. Not all are swindlers. The wealthy people are the hardest to reach for Christ. Number six, all people respond to love and relationships. Smile, say hello, get people a candy bar. Just get them something, drop them a note, text them a message to say, I didn't know you were hurting. Do something to think outside of relationships. Relationships. 
And sinners can change quickly when God gets in their hearts. It's incredible. They can turn around now. Look at what's going on with Kat. Look at what's going on with Jose. Look at what happened with Mike. Look at what happened with Emma. It's a guy It's over there who turned his life over to Christ. Look at what's going on with Joe. Look at what's going on in people's lives. They're coming to faith in Christ almost every week that we're seeing this. Why? Because somebody's loving on them. Somebody's trying. Somebody's reaching out. The last thing I want to mention about this is I need people. I don't want to live the Christian life by myself. I want to pour into other people's lives. So what do we do now? If you're here without Jesus Christ in your life, you need to understand that Jesus can change your life too. There may be somebody like that. You say, what in the world are you so excited about? I'll tell you what I'm excited about. My sins are forgiven. Jesus died for me. I'll tell you what I'm excited about. I have peace with God. You know what? I know that I'm going to heaven. I don't have to guess. You know what I'm excited about? I have peace with God. I have a Bible to follow. It's called a, it's a guidebook for me. I have a church that cares. And these people don't have answers for their life. If you're here without Christ, you need to do that and turn your life over to the Lord. But if you are here as a believer, there are three things I want you to do. Number one, I want you to open your eyes and see the overlooked. Say the word see. Look. The gas station, the grocery store, the person next door, the neighbor, the paper boy, the guy. See them and say hi and use God talk with them. Build a relationship. Stop living in your, stop living in your house in your cocoon and living this. You need to connect. And not only do you need to see, but number two, you need to be sensitive to their needs. You know what? I have a friend of mine. He says, I'm working with senior adults in my area. He said, you know what I'm discovering? He said, I'm leading all kinds of senior adults to Jesus. He said, in nursing homes. I said, why? He said, how would you like to be 90 years of age and recognize that your health is going, the doctor doesn't give you long to live, and you have no idea if you're going to heaven? (laughs) I said, you're right. He said, it's incredible. It's a wide open door. What are we doing? It's like, they don't have any assurance. They don't know what they're doing. Well, I hope. You're going to heaven? Well, I hope I've lived good enough. I talked to a guy just last week, David, and he's 21 years of age. And I said, how do you know you're going to heaven? Well, I've lived a good life. I said, wrong answer. I said, it's not living a good life. It's through what Jesus did. The last thing is what you need to do is start conversations. It's not going to happen just wishing it. You're going to have to be, you don't have to be an Ed Lewis. You don't have to be an Energizer Bunny. You don't have to be Pastor Mike in friendliness. You need to be you, but you need to start. I'm going to do something we do at Urban Hope. And this may be real scary for you. But you know what we do at Urban Hope? James and Rebecca know what that is. If you were here and you say, you know what? I need to make a change and there's somebody who comes to my mind that I need to focus on. You know what I'm going to ask you to do in a minute? I want you to stand to your feet and we're all going to applaud you. And that's embarrassing. Why why do I do that? Because if you won't do it 
among a group of Christians, you'll never do it in non-Christians. You know what I'm going to say? If there's somebody that comes to your mind that says, I know somebody you have kind of overlooked, and they come to mind, and I'll just let you know, we're going to just applaud for you. Anybody like that? Who will stand? Stand up and do this, okay? Look around. Look, see what you're doing. You're not standing alone. Look at the people that are standing. Is this cool or what? This is good. Thank you. You may be seated. You know what it does? It just says, we want to make a difference. May God use you this week and today to see the overlooked, to recognize they're in your path. Those people that are a problem, God died for them too. And they can change. Father in heaven, God use us. God help us to see overlooked people along our path all the time. In Jesus' name, amen.